Thank you very much, Valentina, for starting us off so well. That was very interesting. We decided we're going to have um, all the papers together, and then we're going to take a question. So please remember your questions for Valentina, and we'll have them at the end. So I will go straight ahead and then introduce our next speaker, who is Alessandra Marchi. And Alessandra's currently working at the University of Cagliari, and I'm really confident that's Italian. I never heard of Gramps, Gramsci, is that right? Gramsci. 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 The consonants always get me. The Laboratory of International Gramsci Studies, Gramsci Lab, and PhD in Anthropology and Ethnology from the École des Hautes Études des Sciences Sociales in Paris, in Paris, so I'm going to completely mix up now. Research activities <laughs> including Sufism and political Islam, as well as post-colonial and cultural Gramsci studies in the MENA regions. And the title of Alessandra's paper today is the Italian press in Egypt writing and reading the Alexandrian cosmopolitanism. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Um, so I will start to speak about the Italian community uh, in Egypt, which is the subject, uh, my second or third subject of uh, <laughs> research, um, because I started to study a bilingual review uh, that was published in Cairo and that I will speak about later. And so I was interested in all the uh, Italian community uh, in Egypt because it was a discovery for me uh, to know that it was the largest uh, foreign community in Egypt uh, with the Greek community. Um, so the first Italians went to uh, North Africa and in particular in Tunisia and Egypt uh, uh, in the second half of the 19th century. Uh, after the patriotic upheaval and the reunification of Italy. So uh, they went uh, mostly for political reasons at first. Uh, but then they contributed sub substantially to the modernization of Egypt with uh, their engineers, technicians, artisans, intellectuals, artists who settled down in various Egyptian cities, mixing, up w mixing with the other migrant communities. With the building of the Suez Canal, a large group of Italian workers and skilled technicians moved to Egypt too, thus changing the social composition of the first wave of the rather elitist emigrants community, and so contributing to shape a cosmopolitan Alexandria that was uh, just known to be a cosmopolitan city, of course. Um, so, uh, at the turn of the 20th century, this large Italian community was present uh, in Egypt in a multicultural milieu that achieved a um, significant function in the development of the Egyptian society and played a major role in the imaginary of the aristocratic and bourgeoisie classes who generally studied in international schools, but not only, of course, in the international schools. Um, so Italians lived together with other minor um, ethnic groups uh, coming from uh, all the Eastern uh, and Arab regions too. And it was a time of, um, when Egyptian movement was striving to raise a national consciousness uh, during this uh, cosmopolitan atmosphere that continued in uh, everyday life with crafts, professions, arts, uh, intellectuals and so on. And of course with the emergence and the spread of the printing press. So it's interesting to approach the, studies, the study of the foreign communities in Alexandria, starting from the representation that the European inhabita inhabitants have recorded, taking into account that this, uh, the experience of uh, cosmopolitanism varies according to many factors. First of all, the social cultural background and the political affili affiliation too. So um, on the sidelines of Italian elitist immigration, there was another very significant group made up of uh, often politicized and um, militant 
working class of uh, immigrants who gre greatly contributed to the development of the labor movement among the Egyptians too. Egypt's importance um, at the time was not always clear to the eyes of, uh, in the eyes of the Italian authorities, at least until when the country became an ideal base for business expansion efforts towards the north of the Mediterranean, even if Egypt, uh, Egypt didn't become a target of Italian colonial expansionist projects like uh, it, as it was for Libya and Ethiopia at the time and uh, during the fascist regime too. So foreign press in Egypt became very important in this period, with a number of newspapers and periodicals published notably in Italian and French, but also in Greek and English and other languages. Uh, issues covered by the, the European press were um, quite varied, from politics to society, from trade to art and literature, up to religion and spirituality. Anarchism, Islam, as well as uh, East and West relationships uh, became common features that linked the life of many Italians and Europeans um, in Egypt. Italian press and literature produced by uh, the Italian residents provide an invaluable uh, evidence of the history of the Italian community in Egypt, uh, in addition to archival and historical sources. Um, so, since the second half of the 19th century, the growth of the local press in several European languages was staggering. Hundreds of magazines and newspapers were printed between the 19th and the 20th century. I don't know if uh, we can see some uh, of, of them. Um, so, I quote Anthony Gorman, uh, who wrote about uh, this period. Mm, he said, the written world arguably sustained a more regular sense of international community and global political mission among anarchists. An imagined community created and consolidated not by print capitalism, but print internationalism. The scattered arms of the movement were kept connected and informed by an expanding anarchist press from the second half of the 19th century. And in fact, the anarchist press was very important in Egypt at, uh, at the time, and the Italian anarchist uh, press uh, too. Um, so anarchists were uh, really active in the second half of the 19th century and um, they published the first anarchist new paper in Egypt as uh, Il Lavoratore, uh, founded in uh, 1877 by uh, Ugo Icidio Parvini, that was the leader of the International and other um, anarchists, of, of course. But uh, this publication was soon banned by the local authorities. Um, those three anarchists uh, then put up a newspaper called Il Proletario, but uh, this one had only a few uh, numbers, and there were other short-lived periodicals of uh, anarchist orientation, of course. Um, what is uh, very interesting about Alessandria and the anarchist uh, movement in this period is uh, that in around 1903, it was formed, uh, it, there was a group of anarchists that uh, uh, founded the uh, so-called Baracca Rossa, the Red Hat, and the founder was um, uh, the writer, Italian writer Enrico Pea, who, uh, very young, in 1897, sailed as a ship's boy to reach Egypt. He worked in various businesses in Alexandria, uh, where he built this uh, Red Hat. Uh, originally, uh, it was a marble and iron deposit that became his workshop and then a sort of refuge, a meeting place for Italian and foreign immigrants. By 1910, he met the young Giuseppe Ungaretti that was born in Alessandria, 
who then attended to, in the hut together with the Bulgarians, French, Greeks and Italians, all of a socialist anarchist orientation. Um, Alexandria was then the most welcoming city in the world, Ungaretti said, recalling his youth next to Enrico Pea. The Red Hat has been described as a literary cafe, a community, a heretical section of a refuge for exiles and former prisoners who took advantage from the capitulation system, of course. Um, but from this uh, small context, we can reduce the false image of, uh, the, uh, of the Alexandria, the cosmopolitan Alexandria th at the time. Uh, Enrico Bea spoke of the Baraka Rossa in his novels, especially uh, in his um, autobiography Life in Egypt, uh, Vita in Egitto, uh, where Alexandria is described as a cosmopolitan city in which people of all backgrounds work, uh, worked, often illegally. But Pea was uh, fascinated by this city because here he experimented a real freedom together with rebels, revolutionaries and other exiled idealists who wanted to change the world. So the Baracca Rossa was not only a place where intellectuals met, but it was also, it also hosted temporary, uh, the Free Popular University, the UPL, whose activities were planned by uh, Pietro Vasai, Roberto D'Angio and other anarchists uh, by 1901. Pea and Ungaretti attended uh, the lessons of the UPL that was set up to provide education for the working classes who were working in this uh, multi-ethnic and multi-confessional uh, context. So among the promoters, there were mostly Italian anarchists, uh, but along with uh, businessmen, doctors, engineers, uh, journalists, uh, um, Greek, French, Egyptians, who wished to convey to the people their ideas of a more egalitarian society. So there was um, no Egyptian representation in the organization committee. The UPL tried to become, especially in Alexandria, a sort of reliant point for those who contested the colonial national dominant discourse, but the organizers had to face many obstacles, of course. At this time, in other Italian cities, uh, Leda Raffanelli had moved to Alexandria, mm, and she stayed in Egypt only a few months, but very young, she became familiar with the Alexandrian anarchist, and uh, she started to write uh, from, for the magazine Il Domani, another uh, anarchist magazine published in Cairo in 1903. Um, but she collaborated from uh, Italy at the time, because she stayed in Egypt only maybe a few months or one or two years. Uh, we don't know exactly. Uh, and in Italy she became a politically engaged writer, dealing with the social conditions of the subaltern, with the working classes and uh, with the labour questions. So despite this short period in Egypt, Alexandria marked two constants in, in her life, Islam and anarchism, because here in Egypt uh, um, Leda converted to Sufi Islam and of course to anarchism for the rest of her life. Uh, so Egypt was descriptive by her uh, as a, um, uh, her homeland of choice, where she took possession of the spiritual, social, human and cultural place. And here she found, she found her oriental world, as she said. Um, I skipped something. Um, so it's not inappropriate to say that the ideal of freedom, which was the object of the struggles of, uh, for um, Leda Raffanelli, um, has coincided with the East and uh, this uh, kind of special life that she aimed to live. This kind of essence of uh, or Oriental soul um, is typical of Leda. She defended the thesis of atheism and materialism of Feuerbach while praying every day and observing Ramadan, according to a personal bricolage 
who allowed her to compare in her writings the Western Christian lifestyle with the Oriental Islamic one. Um, in fact, we can read in these words a construction of an imaginary East and an imaginary Islam, of course, but uh, that still exists today, um, that goes uh, to feed the meat of a Levantine and cosmopolitan environment, sometimes far from the reality experienced by the Italian Alexandrias. In many cases, a literary Levantinism, as rightly pointed by um, Tiziana Carlino, uh, was based on a reconstruction, I quote, uh, throughout the text of a lost modern world, whose many elements converge to define the identity of the author and of other Levantines. Alexandria represented a positive and uh, nostalgic myth, therefore um, a partial one. So the, the words Levantine and cosmopolitans are uh, sometimes used uh, uh, as a synonym. Mm -hmm. um, so this um, faithful uh, libertarian writer of the Muslim religion, Leda Rafanelli, was also the first to arise interest in Islam in uh, Mussolini before his dictatorship, as it's clear from the correspondence that uh, Leda published in a book, Una Donna e Mussolini, a woman and Mussolini. So after um, having frequented him for uh, between 1913 and uh, 1914, Leda changed her opinion about Mussolini, of course, until she ended up identifying him with the oppressor West, since she fiercely condemned European colonialism and military intervention because she identified herself with the pure and distinctive Africa. So we can find a sort of oriental language uh, too with um, uh, Leda Raffanelli. Hmm? Um, but the interest of publishing in Egypt was also connected with the um, Italian national policy in the East in order to facilitate the colonial uh, enterprise in Libya, for example. And in this regard, the figure of uh, the Italian doctor and diplomat Enrico Insabato is very uh, interesting. Um, from 1904 about, um, until about uh, 1910, uh, in Sabato published in Cairo the bilingual magazine in Italian and in Arabic, uh, Il Convito Annati. Uh, so, medicine and justice in Islam, Muslim women and feminism are among the topics covered in, the, in this magazine from a historical and doctrinal point of view, as uh, well as uh, the current events, and uh, numerous articles illustrated the situation in, uh, of Islam in the Middle East, the Balkans, Russia and China. So it was a really avant-garde uh, review for, the, for these times. And uh, um, also the politics of the Italian government and the relation with the East were uh, covered. But uh, Enrico Sabato criticized the kind of colonial occupation carried out by the other European powers, especially uh, Britain and France. And I can say especially British because the British authorities asked the Italian authorities to get uh, to expose him uh, from uh, Egypt. Mm. He was very close to the uh, Sufi Brotherhood, the Sanusi of Tripolitania and Cyrenaica, and uh, also to the Egyptian society and the religious and political uh, leaders. Mm. Uh, so, he was exposed, exposed um, for uh, some years, uh, I guess, by, um, uh, from Egypt because of his uh, philo-Islamic uh, political view written in this uh, periodical. 
So the study of non-national press in Egypt comprehends specific competence regarding the history of the Mediterranean relations um, in order to uh, reconstruct uh, the way in which the West has discovered and built the Orient and uh, Islam. And at the same time, it's uh, useful to reflect on the Alexandrian cosmopolitanism that is so important for uh, many Italian authors. And it's noteworthy that one among the first Italian newspapers published in Cairo between 1819 and 91 was called Il Cosmopolitan. It's um, a kind of newspaper uh, very similar to that uh, one that Valentina showed. So during the last year, the last century, sorry, uh, many Europeans uh, resident in Egypt were uh, here rebuilt their country and their communities. And from this perspective, they transmitted a vision of Egypt and its cities, and especially of uh, Alexandria, who never ceases to be evoked with nostalgia and um, their correspondences and memory. It could be a, my, a myth, sorry. Uh, but the openness to diverse population and cultures that they have lived together in Alexandria it is what strikes them most, leaving on the background the real problems that they had to cope with in this, uh, in this land of emigration. This kind of pluralism that characterizes the Alexandrian life refers to the different experiences that our Italians have lived in, making cosmopolitanism a fruitful and complex concept to be studied according to a comparative and dialectical perspective, of course. Since Giuseppe Ungaretti left Alexandria in 1912, this city became, not only for him, a fascinating memory that many European writers have attempted to revive in their poems and in all its glory, real and reinvented one again. If it's easier to remember the good times and not the poverty suffered by many people, the conflictual dimension uh, inherent to cosmopolitanism remains an essential key of interpretation and studying the press helps us to better understand it. The city that those Italians have known uh, has not simply offered the space for a happy and successful coexistence among different communities. The fascinating pluralism that is still remembered shows us the rich complexity of this uh, kind of cosmopolitanism. But once the, this concept is deconstructed, the mythical dimension uh, doesn't need to be neglected or denied. Indeed, it becomes an integral part of the city and of its uh, perception and uh, narration uh, for the native and uh, for the Levantine inhabitants and for those who later uh, will write on it. Um, so now we can follow Antonio Gramsci when uh, he said that we must rebuild around the question of uh, cosmopolitanism the way in which different civilizations have absorbed subaltern cultures or have been absorbed by the dominant culture, which is the way that uh, um, they have tried to become a part. Mm. And this observation is consistent with the life that Enrico Pea, for example, lived in Alexandria and with the humanity that he met here. Humble people with, uh, who often fought against the bourgeois or against those Europeans who didn't understand the true life and the customs of the country. I quote Enrico Pea, um, I know very well the people those who work in the fields since centuries, those who work with me at the port, at the workshop, inside the boiler room, and they are, like me, oppressed by a social injustice. Um, this is an argument that it was very common for the anarchist group, of course. So the cohabitation between communities and within the same community followed up very often the gap between the, uh, between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. That is uh, the, the same subject of the anarchist and socialist struggles and uh, a relevant key uh, of reading cosmopolitanism. 
But again, uh, according to the heterogeneous perspectives that refers to the multicultural society of the time, the development of a cosmopolitan Alexandria society was based on the bourgeoisie playing a major role in the economy uh, of the country. Um, that was organized uh, with its own schools, hospitals, meeting places, churches and charitable foundations. It also enjoyed, until um, 1882, uh, of the privileges provided by the capitulation system and uh, then the protection of the British mandate. Simple Egyptians remained at the margins. They didn't belong neither to the prosperous social classes who in that environment let, lent the labor force, but from which they were excluded. It was in fact a society built on a just a position of colonial mold, with a local majority of humble economic conditions, many well-off immigrants and the local elites chasing a European lifestyle. But in the end, what was the Levantine view, a view from inside or from outside? Uh, this issue remains marginal in the debate on Italian colonialism, and uh, this is a relatively recent issue in regard to other European countries surely for the different weight of their colonization in Africa that has been advanced at a time when immigration in Italy became significant. But above all, the academic debate has opened new perspectives uh, of research, very little explored until at least the 1980s, since the post-colonial studies in France or the U United States, and um, have engaged students and scholars, also Italian ones, touching the even current uh, issue of a collective and plural Italian identity that's, uh, that has been forged in immigration too. So can Alexandria be, uh, by the Italian press and literature, and it's finally, um, sorry, can Alexandria finally occupy an important role in these debates? Still, if we think to the life and writings of uh, Enrico Pea, uh, Giuseppe Ungaretti, La Raffanelli, or in Sabato, or Fausta Cialente, that I don't have many time to, to speak about her, but she was uh, uh, a very well-known, for Italian community, uh, a very well-known writer and journalist, um, we must uh, acknowledge of often forgotten Italian migration in the Northeast, unlike the more familiar story of emigration to the Americans and North uh, Europe or Australia. Um, moreover, those authors are, and writings are generally not well known from Italian readers, except for Ungaretti, perhaps because of their originally, original literary style in respect to the narrative genre of the Italian Novecento. Uh, several, several recent studies attempt to retrieve this past, but an important work still remains to do on the Italian literary production on Alexandria. Uh, I try to... maybe I skip... I, I pass the 20 minutes, so I, I will conclude uh, just to say that finally, um, the study of the communitarian press appears as a fundamental integrative element to better understand what has been and what uh, remains of Alexandrian cosmopolitanism in reality and in its uh, representations and to provide some answers to all these. Indeed, many novels has been pub have been published uh, or translated during the 2000s about Alexandrian cosmopolitanism. Maybe it's a sign of a renewed interest in it. Deep in the narrative of cosmopolitan Alexandria means consequently retrieve the history of Italian migration to Egypt as a useful study to read and interpret our history and our present epoch of huge migrations and transformations, so often traumatic ones shared by all of the Mediterranean countries. Thank you very much.